Sometimes we walk into to church and, and I know for me, it could become a routine because as worship leaders, as pastors, it could fall into that job placement category. And oftentimes I have personally been at fault for not walking into the house and just laying it at the feet of Jesus because it can become a business or so structured but I really sense that can we just sing that you don't have to, I don't have to lead you you can lead yourself like in the father's house not just this house but wherever you go there's a place for you man as the word says and I say this all the time he'll never leave you nor forsake you but he'll go with you everywhere your step of the way if that's in Frisco or Africa pastor God is there. Man. Come on, sing that I'm chosen. Forsaken, I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against. I am, am who you say I am. I am chosen. Forsaken, I am. Mm-hmm. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am. I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free. You're free indeed. You are free indeed. I'm a child of 
worship. God is so good. I am so grateful that my identity is not wrapped up in who I think I am, that is not wrapped up in who you guys or the world or anybody else may say I am. God says that I am dearly beloved and he says the same about you. He says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that we are the apple of his eye. The Bible is resplendent with details of God's love and concern for us. He's so good. And I'm so grateful that we are who he says we are. And that that is the truth that matters. That is the only thing that matters. And I'm grateful for that today. Are you guys grateful for that? Amen. 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 Welcome. I'm crying, but that's okay. <laughs> Welcome to Converge Live, as we affectionately call our in-person worship experience. It is a blessing to see each of you guys here. We just love you and appreciate you. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we do not take that lightly. And so as a way of saying thank you, we have a small gift that we would like to give you. And we just ask that you stop by the Connection Center at the end of worship and our servant leaders can assist you. Converge family, we also have lots of exciting things that are coming up that I wanna share with you guys. First up is water baptism. It's been a little over a year and a half since our last water baptism experience. And so we have super summer water baptism coming up. Excuse us. So we just had a quick change. Super summer water baptism is going to be on September 19th. Listen, if you have made a recent decision to follow Christ for the first time, or if you have been a Jesus follower for a while, but you have never made the public profession of your relationship with him, we want to celebrate that important faith milestone with you guys. So we're asking you to do one of two things. You can either send us an email at admin at weareconverged.com or stop by the Connection Center and sign up. We'll get a few details from you. We just want to make sure that we get all of those details to you so that you can take part in this and so that we can celebrate with you your decision to follow Jesus. Amen. Converge fam, we are in the dog days of summer here in Texas. So we've got Converge merch that is keeping us cool. We want you to stay cool as well. We've got lots of things that are happening. We've got lots of good things that are coming. We got, I can't talk too much about it, but I've seen a preview and the merch that we have coming up is pretty cool. So if you want to take part in that, you want to get a mug or a tumbler, a t-shirt, a hat, you can stop by the merch table at the end of worship service and pick it up, or you can purchase safely and securely online at store.weareconverge.com. 
We also want to make sure that you guys stay connected with us because I'm not joking. I'm going to talk about it in a few, but we've got some great things ahead for you guys, and we want you to be able to participate in it. So in order to get that information, we want you to join us on social media on one of our various platforms or all of them. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at We Are Converge. So be sure to follow, be sure to like and subscribe, and stay tuned. I'm going to do things just a little bit out of the order that we normally do it. So this part of the service is our blessed life segment. We appreciate everything that you guys do to help us build the kingdom of God here at Converge and to help us deliver in the vision and mission that God has given us. And so you do that in your part, your financial partnership. We have multiple ways that you can give. First, here in person, we do have ushers in the aisles with envelopes. If you need them, just raise your hand. We just ask that you fill out all of the details on the envelope and then place it in the receptacles on your way out at the end of worship. You can also give safely and securely online by going to www.weareconverge.com forward slash give. And then you can also text Converge Give along with the dollar amount to 77977. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Oh, most gracious Father, you are so good. And we thank you for the opportunity to build your kingdom. We thank you for the privilege that you have given us. And we thank you for the ability to sow into building your kingdom. We pray a blessing over every gift given. We pray that you would multiply it 10, 100, even a thousand fold, and it would all be to your glory. We love you. We appreciate you. We give you the glory for it all, God. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And then last, guys, we are continuing in our journey from social media to social ministry. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited about it. Amen. So our digital discipleship initiative is kicking off fall small groups the week of September 13th. We are going to have Converge Her beginning on Tuesdays, the men on Wednesdays, the students on Sundays, and we're gonna have Converge Kids, kid-friendly content available on demand. So, in order to connect with us in authentic community, in order to know and grow together spiritually with us, we want you to join us on Facebook. You've gotta find us on Facebook, and then once you're on Facebook, join one of our Facebook groups, whatever it is, that is relative to your demographic. So if you're a family, you could potentially join all of them, the women, the men, the students, and the kids. That's where the information is going to be posted, where you'll find all of the information about what day, what time. We'll have links to the Bible studies. We're really excited. And so as a part of that, guys, I want you to view some of these exciting trailers so that you can have a preview of what's to come in a few weeks. Thank you guys so much for your attention. We love you. Enjoy the rest of the worship experience. The first time I heard these promises, I was shaken to my core because I'd never understood the big overarching narrative of the Bible. I'd never had somebody say, these are the moments that God entered history. You see, we see God's faithfulness, His steadfast love through his covenant to Abraham, that he was patient with them, that he did not remove his covenant even when Abraham failed because he knew what he was going to do. 
believers are not just defined by their gathering and their church going and how many consecutive days they open up their Bible app. It is a standard of holiness that is not relative, it's not trending, it's not driven by culture. It has been set by a covenant-keeping God. And the new covenant of grace does not erase the standard of God's holiness. It is unthinkable that God, who is holy other, would ever build some kind of agreement with us. If that doesn't make you like and love and fall down before this God, I don't know what else would. He is a God who continues to give promises even when we fail. And his promises not only speak to our current problems, they speak to problems that have yet to occur. That's just how good God is. What is it for you? What longing do you have? What promise do you want to see fulfilled that you have yet to see? Would you trust him with it? Would you believe that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do? He will fulfill his covenant. He will fulfill his promise. He will not disappoint. What we're going to study here is going to transform you. It's going to first transform your understanding of God, his grace, his power, his control, his, his plan. But it's also going to change you. These are the moments in this book that, that everything stops. And we hear the voice of God and we hear the promises of God. And he says, this is my plan and I'm going to unfold it through you and for you. I believe as a man, there are certain times when you have to put up a fight. There are times when it would be wrong not to fight. I believe that God created each man with the heart of a warrior. There is a time to put up a spiritual fight, a time to draw a line in the sand and say, you can't cross this line. The world has yet to see what God can do through one man, wholly surrendered unto him. You can be that man. God has called you to be different. He's called you to have a different lifestyle and not simply be just like the culture who's trying to live for the human trinity, me, myself, and I, instead of the spiritual one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A large part of my identity was the fact that people knew me as Anaya, the real tall, strong girl that can play basketball. My identity is now not based around what I do, but who I serve. I mean, baseball was really what got me up in the morning for the longest time. I really had no idea what to do with my life. I just felt like all of a sudden my life lacked purpose. I know that God made me for more than just being a perpetrator. God made me to be a protector. My walk with Christ, it made me realize the friends that I had, they were going down the same path that I was going. I started using God's words in my foundation by starting with forgiving myself. Because if God can forgive everyone else, why can't I forgive myself? As a former NFL football player and a collegiate athlete, I always identified myself with football, but now I don't play it anymore. So what happens when you lose the thing you identify with? You realize that that should have never been your identity. When you understand that your identity is in Christ, now you understand that no matter what you do, you can truly be who you are because that's something that will never change even when life circumstances do change. We're not called to follow our heart. We're called to demand that our heart follows the truth. 
It's time to build on this right foundation, and it's time to do it right now because there's no time to wait. This is Bible Girl. Data feed is coming in now. Any threat vectors? No threat so far. You will know fear. Bible Man, do you copy? Bible Man! Bible Man! Bible Man! A worthy adversary. Proverbs 15, verse 1. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I call upon your words for the strength to defeat this evil set before me today. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Heads up! I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Remember, boys and girls, Jesus loves you all. Welcome home, Converge Live, and welcome home, Converge Online. We're so glad you joined us for today's worship experience. Come on, let's show some love. Come on, all of those who are in person for our incredible, amazing, outstanding online family. Now, I'm super excited. I'm super excited for a number of reasons, and I'm just going to piggyback off of what Andrea shared because fall groups are going to be absolutely amazing. I hope the trailers got you excited. And let me start with this, all right? I'm going to ask all of the parents, if you are a parent of a student, right? Meaning 6th through 12th grades, we want you, we need your partnership, all right? So on Sundays, when Coquetzo is leading that amazing Bible study on identity, right? We want, we want your help. We need your help to ensure that our students are connecting. It is such a big, big deal for our students, in fact, for every person, especially Christ followers, to recognize that their identity is in Christ. Not their performance, not their accomplishments, not their achievements. Our identity is in Christ, right? So that's going to be on Sunday starting September 19th. Listen, uh, on Tuesday nights, come on, Converge Her. Yeah, see? 
Listen, what, what I love about Converge Her is y'all are all automatic. Y'all just love Jesus. We don't need to prime the pump. Y'all just are ready to go. And here's the deal. You guys are undefeated, unprecedented, because every single semester, every single semester that we've had groups, the ladies, y'all show up. And here's the deal. It's not just about showing up, but there's real life transformation that happens. And if you don't make it a priority, I can tell you, I can guarantee, I can assure you, you are missing out. So do yourself a solid and make sure on Tuesday nights, is it at 7 or 7.30, Pastor Wendy? Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. that you tune in. Now, we're going to be sending some more details over the next several weeks. You're going to get an email blast. You're going to see it on our social media. You're going to hear it from the platform every single time we gather until we launch and even after we launch because we don't want you to miss out on what God is doing in community here at Converge. All right, so here it is. Come on, I send you a haul. Where are my dogs at? Okay, we got one or two. Got one or two chihuahuas. Come on, let's go. Let, we got to dig deep. We got to dig deep. Come on, come on. No, y'all, don't, y'all don't be mad at pastor. Okay, come on, let's try this one more time. This is, this is for my dog pound. Come on, we're going to go deep. Now, go help you from the platform. Come on, come on. I think I got to give, I got I to gotta give. I heard one real growl from the back. Let me show Patrick Faber some love because he came with it. So, so let, 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 but, but for all my, all my dogs, right? Where my dog pound at? Ooh, ooh. That was even worse. Okay, let me just leave that right where it is. All right, Converge Men, listen, listen. Uh, we're going to be gathering on Wednesday nights. Now, this is going to be virtual, right? It's going to be via Zoom. We'll be sending out additional information, but we're going to learn what it means to fight. Amen? Uh, fight the good fight of faith, and we're super excited about that. And for Converge uh, kids, Converge kids, all right? So there's a little something for the entire family. The content for Converge kids, all right? So this is K through fifth. Is that right? Waleska, Pastor Wendy? Okay, you guys are working that out. It's all. Okay. So there's content for preschool and then also content for elementary. So that's K through fifth is elementary and then the infants through pre-K is, okay, so we got content for all of your littles, all right? So make sure you prioritize this for yourself and for your family. From what I understand, the content for Converge Kids is going to be on demand, right? So you can lock, is that right? It is going to be on demand. So we've got Tuesday nights, Converge Her, Wednesday nights at 7, Converge Men, my dog pound that didn't show up. They're here, they're here. Okay, my bad, my bad. Okay, and then also converge students on Sundays at, at 1 p.m. Okay, additional information will be forthcoming. All right, also, also, I would be remiss if I did not communicate this to you. Uh, we also sent out a church-wide survey, all right? It takes three minutes or less to complete. If you received the email and you got the link, we're asking you to complete that survey as honestly as possible. It's just going to help us in our planning. Uh, we want to be strategic in everything we do going forward, and we want to make sure we're meeting the needs of our Converge family, right? So if you're part of our email list, you received that email blast, I believe, on Thursday. Several of you have responded, and the feedback 
is awesome and is going to help us in our decision making. You know, John Maxwell said it this way, and I think he's spot on. I absolutely love it. He said, hope is not a strategy. You don't hope your way from where you are to your next level. Your next level requires intentionality and it requires strategy. And sometimes the way you find the right strategy to move you from where you are to where you should be is, like the scripture says, there is safety in the multitude of counselors. So when you participate in this survey, it will help us make the right decisions and develop the strategy to help us move from where we are to our next level. So make sure you complete that survey. It's going to close uh, on Friday, on Friday, which is September, I'm sorry, August. This Friday, August 27th, okay, at 5 p.m. So please don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Get us your input as soon as possible. It will help us immeasurably as we make these decisions. All right, everybody on board? All right, so make sure you save the dates for our fall groups, participate in the survey, and let's dive into the Word. Y'all ready for the Word tonight? All right, let's pray, and then we'll dive into the Word together. All right, Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you again for the opportunity to draw near to your Word. Father, we thank you for your promise that the entrance of your word gives light. Illuminate the dark places in our lives where we need clarity, where we need understanding. And Father, we, we trust you to do that now. Holy Spirit, ha, you are the teacher. And I thank you for your promise that you will lead us and guide us into all truth about all things. And you will show us things to come. We trust you for that now in Jesus' name. And everybody shout a good Amen. This is get out. Who can tell me what week this is? Oh, wow. My watch. Come on, baby. You are spot on. You are right on it. This is week 11. I think this is the first time in the history of our church that we've had an extended series. It has been absolutely necessary. And I trust uh, that the last 10 weeks have been a blessing to you. Uh, personally, and uh, and to your family as well. We're going to continue where we left off. We left off. We're in week eleven of our sermon series. Get out. Uh, we've been traveling with the Israelites through the book of Exodus. Now we're in the book of Numbers, all right? This month, August, we're in the book of Numbers, and I think it crosses over into the month of September. I think there's a few days in September, maybe uh, a week and a half or so in September, that we're going to be taking this journey through the book of Numbers together to help gain an understanding of God's interaction with his people, Israel, all right? Uh, this is what I know, right? The scripture says that there is nothing new under the sun, meaning there are things we can learn from this antiquated text. And when I say antiquated, I mean it is ancient. However, it still has import for us today. There are truths, there are principles that apply to us today. So there are lessons for us to learn from God's interaction with the Israelites and Israel's interaction with their God. And so we've been on this journey where we have landed in Exodus chapter number 20, and we're walking through uh, what has been referred to as the Ten Commandments. Tonight, we're going to tackle commandment number eight, commandment number eight. And it simply says, 
Thou, anybody know what the Eighth Commandment is? Is it on the screen already? Okay, y'all just knew it. Wow, I'm proud of y'all. That's fantastic. Thou shall not steal. Woo. Now, the disclaimer last week is we don't think anybody in the room or two weeks ago is a murderer. We don't think anybody in the room is an adulterer. We don't think anybody in the room is a thief. However, however, there are lessons to learn from this commandment. Are y'all ready? So here we go. Here we go. We said over the last several weeks as we've been talking about what it looks like to get it out of me, that Christ wants us to live a life that is informed by his truth, not by our temperament, by his principles, not our preferences, by Christ and not culture. So the Lord, as he's taking us through the Ten Commandments, is giving us certain principles. Here's the principle we can glean from Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 15. Thou shalt not steal. What is God trying to communicate to us today that he may have been communicating to the Israelites thousands of years ago? How do we move this thing forward where it makes sense to where we live today? Here it is. The principle that God is trying to communicate to his people, the church, Christ followers, is simply this. God was moving his people, Israelites, his people, the Israelites, from a mindset of greed to a mindset of generosity. When a person gives himself over to stealing, at the center of his decisions is himself and himself alone. There's very little compassion for the person he offends, for the person he robs, or the person he steals from. He might even be desperate. And we understand that when people are desperate, they do desperate things. But at the root and at the heart of all stealing, meaning you take something that does not belong to you without the permission of the owner, at the root of it, at the center of it, is selfishness. Even if you reason and rationalize that I deserve this. So in this eighth commandment, what God is trying to communicate to Converge Church is I want my people to move from a self-centered, greed-driven mentality to generosity, which is others-centered. Are y'all with me? Okay, we're going to go somewhere. Uh, because here it is, here it is. Uh, there are generally four dispositions that, that, that impact our daily lives, Right? Uh, and these are toxic, these are toxic dispositions, four. There are more, but I, I want to focus on these four quickly uh, because they impact uh, or they, they speak specifically to the Eighth Commandment. Uh, but let, let's talk about these four quickly. These are toxic dispositions or emotions that we all experience and sometimes entertain. Number one, guilt. Uh, guilt is a toxic emotion when we allow it to linger. We ought to feel remorse 
for bad decisions and choices and actions, but some people live there. And they make their pain their prison when God wants it to be your platform. Guilt always says, I owe you. I never should have done that to you. I never should have said that to you. And if we're not careful and we don't deal with our guilt, we can live there. But that is a toxic emotion. Here's the second one that, that we also often wrestle with, grapple with, and, and sometimes don't process in a healthy way. Here's the second one. The second one. Because the second one is the, the inverse or the opposite of guilt. And it's something we call anger. And anger says, you owe me. Uh, you never should have done that. You never should have said that. And we dealt with that extensively when we looked at the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder, because we said the sixth commandment was God's crash course in anger management. That's the principle God wanted to learn. He wants to teach us how to manage our anger. So in our anger, Ephesians 4, we sin not. Are y'all with me? Anger says, you owe me. Here's the third one that applies to what we're going to talk about. And the third one, the third toxic emotion that some of us entertain is greed. And greed always says, I owe myself. Yeah, I deserve this. This ought to be mine. Again, at the root, at the heart of stealing, of theft, of robbing someone of what rightfully belongs to them without their permission is selfishness. And greed always says, I owe myself. And no matter what, no matter the cost, no matter the damage and the pain I caused, Bernie Madoff, these, this was people's retirement, their pensions. And he wasn't thinking about these people and their retirement who had saved their entire lives. Gone. But guess who Bernie Madoff was thinking about? Himself. Because greed always says, I owe myself. Here's the fourth one. And I'm debating, I'm vacillating a little bit because I'm saying to myself, I'm just going to do the 8th commandment and the 10th commandment tonight. So if I decide to do them both tonight, here's where the 10th commandment connects. Greed connects to the 8th commandment, thou shalt not steal. The 10th commandment connects to this fourth toxic disposition, which is, y'all ready for this? Jealousy. Let me tell you what jealousy says. Jealousy always says, God! You owe me. Mm -hmm. God, <laughs> you let me pick the short straw. God, I don't like the hand you dealt me. God, I wish I had the hand you dealt them. They're 6'5", and I'm 5 nothing. They've got the blonde hair. They 
were born into the right circumstances and I had to struggle and fight for everything. And so in the 10th commandment, what God was saying to the Israelites is do not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's goods, your neighbor's donkey, your neighbor's possessions. It was an indictment against entertaining jealousy and competition, which all says, God, you owe me. It's the Ten Commandments. And so tonight, maybe we'll flip-flop between the two, because at the, at the root of stealing, dishonest transactions, and even our covetousness is simply this. We spend our lives doing things to impress people who may not even notice or may not even care. And we spend our lives trying to keep up with people who, if you knew the whole truth, were already upside down. And while you're keeping up with the Kardashians and the Joneses, you have no idea what's happening behind closed doors. It may even be that you have more peace with your dry toast than they have with a house on the cul-de-sac that's on the verge of foreclosure. I know this for a fact because as we partnered with one organization in this city, she said you should see the luxury cars that line up every time we have a food distribution because they're a little bit different. It's wide open to anybody. It's not limited to the city. It's not limited to Collin County. And people come from outside our county, come from outside our city to get food in their $200,000 cars. Because maybe they made the payment this month, which means he ain't got no money left for groceries. And you and I are steady trying to keep up with people. And all we're looking at is their highlight reel. Not realizing that the behind the scenes is a bunch of foolishness and mayhem. All you see is their edited life. All you see is their life through a filter. Come on, Instagram. Because the, the, the raw picture, the original picture ain't good enough anymore. We got to hide the flaws behind filters. And God is saying you're trying to measure your worth and your value against something that is not even real. Something that has been filtered and edited and doctored. And God gave us the Ten Commandments to say, deal with your greed. The sense that you deserve this. Deal with your covetousness, the fact that subconsciously you think God owes you what he gave to so-and-so. All right? <sighs> Come on, somebody. I put on my Wakanda gear tonight because I felt like, well, I started to say Mufasa, but that ain't him. It ain't him. Who is it? T'Challa. My bad. Get my characters right. I thought... I felt like T'Challa tonight. No, I have an event after this, and uh, so, yeah. All right, so here it is. Uh, for <laughs> Working definition 
so we can level set expectations. What does it mean to steal? It means to take without permission or legal right and without intending to return it. To steal means to take another person's property. Listen, give your, give your neighbor an elbow and say, you down with OPP? I thought I was going to get a bigger laugh out of that, but, but yeah. maybe my online audience is less holy than in person. Let's try that one more time. Just nudge. Oh, I forgot. COVID, social distancing. You can't nudge your neighbor. But just in your mind, think that. Am I down with OPP? Hey. <laughs> steal. To steal means to take another person's property without permission or legal right and without intending to return it. It's not borrowed. It's something you take without permission, with no intention of returning it. So, so here it is. Uh, for, I, I always feel a, a, a compulsion, a necessity to communicate to all my grace police out there because you say, Pastor, why are you in the Old Testament? You've been in the Old Testament 11 weeks. Now, listen, everything we do, we filter through the finished work of the cross, right? We have communicated that abundantly. But here it is. Here it is. New Testament. New Testament. This is an admonition to a New Testament church, the church at Ephesus. It was a large, uh, actually, a very uh, influential church in the city of Ephesus. Today we would consider it a megachurch. So Paul writes this letter to the church at Ephesus, the believers at the church at Ephesus, and in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28, this is what we read. Let him who stole steal no longer. Now listen, listen. We know, based on what the scripture teaches, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That nothing the writers of the text wrote was in vain or accidental. It is God-breathed. Remember we talked about that word entheos? Entheos, that's the word that's used in Scripture in Timothy. It is God-breathed. The idea is that as these holy men of God and women of God, as, they, as their stories were captured in the Scripture, God breathed into the authors. A lot like someone would breathe into a flute. A lot like someone would breathe into a saxophone. Each instrument makes a distinct sound, but the same breath. So when Paul is writing in his own unique style, as he's inspired by God, notice what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let him who stole steal no longer. He is speaking to a New Testament church. Now the reason he's saying this is because it could have been an issue. Because the letters that Paul wrote were often in response to issues that were happening in the churches. And he would write these letters to address real issues in real time in the church. So if Paul say, let him who stole steal no more, could have been an issue. Y'all ready for a little story? I have a dear friend who's also a minister. And... Uh, you know, can I just be transparent as I tell this story? All right. <clears throat> you can hold your stones until the very end. 
of the story. Dear friend, who's a minister? And uh, it seemed like every year, man, <laughs> this dude would be telling me about how hefty his tax return was. Let him who stole. For those of us who thought that stealing was breaking into somebody's house and stealing their car. No, it goes way deeper. It goes, listen to me, it goes way deeper. So I was like, when he, hey man, this is what I got last year. This is what I got the year before. And I was like, wow. Who doing your taxes? Can I meet him? And listen, it was tax season. So he introduced me to his tax preparers. And I just gave them the paperwork they needed. And so <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you, let me back up. So I went there and said, oh, how'd you hear about us? And I said, so-and-so told me about you. They said, oh, yeah, 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 we know him well. That's, we love him. And it, listen now, they were also from the motherland. So I felt right at home. I said, this is like homecoming. I'm coming back to my peeps. Not only that, as I get to know them and we're talking about it and I'm giving them all my paperwork, I find out that they attend this great church right here in our city. So <laughs> as I give them the paperwork, everything, I said, so you guys, I got everything. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So he said, John told you about us. I said, yeah. He said, listen, we're going to give you fire. <laughs> he said, we are, pastor, we are going to give you fire. So I said, okay. <laughs> give me fire. <laughs> True story. I am not making this up or embellishing. So when they did what they had to do and called me back to get my return, Listen, I needed a fire extinguisher. They gave me fire. But in my, I was a grown man. But in my innocent, naive mind, I'm thinking, well, they prepared my friend's taxes. He's a pastor. And they are Christians. Maybe there's something that these people that I've been taking my taxes to missed Maybe there's some, a loophole somewhere. Maybe there's an, oh, man. Next year, I went back for more fire. <laughs> my wife laughing because she knows. <laughs> no, in my mind, honestly and truly, I mean, I, I went back for more fire, except when I went back the next year for fire, there were three of them there the first year. When I went back for more fire, there was only two. And so naturally I asked, I said, hey, man, where's, yeah. And they were like beating around the bush. There was, they couldn't give me a direct answer. I didn't think anything of it because I just asked for him and it was just kind of this weird response. And once again, converge. 
I got fire. <laughs> Until the third year. When I called for my fire appointment. <laughs> you liked that, didn't you? <laughs> and I get doing it. No, I tried the number again because I thought I had missed out. And I said, well, let me just drive by there. And sure enough, they had been audited. And they all went to, I guess, prison. They did some time. Uh, because what they had been doing was actually dishonest. So as I was preparing for this message, and the scripture says, let him who steals, or let him who stole, steal no more. He was talking to Christians. And I should have known better. In my mind, honestly, I'm saying they take care of my pastor friend. They go to church. They know how to maximize this return. In fact, Nia and I did a college visit yesterday, and the guy who was on the college visit with us, and Nia can attest to this, from, from Pennsylvania, owns a company. And what they do is they just work with uh, large organizations and help them maximize their taxes maximize their return, and he gets paid a percentage off of that because most companies don't know all the loopholes. In my mind, honestly and truly, I thought that's all they were doing. And how often do we steal? Take things that don't belong to us rightfully, without permission, and with no intention of returning it. At the root of what he's telling the Israelites and he's telling us tonight is he wants us to check our greed. This idea that I deserve this. That I owe myself. No matter what. All right. So here it is. Proverbs... <clears throat> Uh, Proverbs, let me go to Proverbs first. Uh, I don't have it in my notes. But Proverbs chapter 13, 11, we can put it on the screen. It says, wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. But he who gathers by labor will increase. God's way has always been honest labor. Because wealth gained by dishonesty, one translation says, is going to grow wings and fly away. In fact, wealth that is often gained with no effort, with no sweat equity, vanishes. Ask any lotto winner. But wealth that comes by labor, the scripture says, will increase. So, let's level set the playing field. 
How much time do I have? Come on, Jesus. I'm going to work this thing tonight. I am going to work it because we're going to deal with our greed that says, I deserve this, and our jealousy, our covetousness that says, God, you owe me. So here it is. We'll start with Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Because in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, God is speaking through his servant, the prophet Malachi. And there's this conversation going back and forth. And here it is. It says, will a man rob God? Is there anybody who will have the audacity or the gumption to steal from God? And God responds and says, um, yeah. And he says, this is how you've robbed me. This is how you've taken something that didn't belong to you without my permission and with no intention of returning it. Now, in the room and online, just, just pump the brakes. This is not where you jump off and go on and watch the young and the restless. Stay with me. Stay with me until the end, and we'll help you understand what this means. So Malachi said, will a man rob God? And God's response says, yet you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. And then he goes on to say, he says, bring all. Come on, somebody, for those who debate. Now, is this gross or net? Do I tithe off of the gross or the net? Scripture says bring all of it, all of the tithe. In Proverbs 3, it says bring the first fruits of all your increase. Hmm? No exception. It didn't say gross or net. I'm going somewhere with this. And, and again, I want just stay with me because we're going to get there. All right. So here it is. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What? That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. Listen to me, point number one, you can't outgive God. You and I absolutely cannot outgive God. And I just, I, I, I was going to get to this later, but I'm going to say it now. Let me say it now. For those who struggle with this idea of the tithe and say, but Pastor Ray, this was a matter of the law. This was the old covenant do you realize that this principle of tithing precedes the law? That before God instituted the tithe as law, there was a man named Abraham who recognized God's goodness and generosity to him. And he said, in response to how good you have been to me, 
This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take 10% of everything you've done for me and given me and return it to you. He did it not as a matter of law, but as a matter of love. And most of us have made it about the law. And we've said, because it was under the law, I'm no longer bound to do it. Yet when the tithing is initiated from man to God, it was a free will offering that Abraham brought as a measure of his love and his recognition of what God has done, had done for him. Listen to me. Even if you say it's not a matter, even if you say it's not a, even if you say it's a matter of law, listen, listen, as you read Malachi chapter 3, this is what you'll recognize. This is what you'll recognize. It is a matter when we tithe. It is a matter of faith over fear. When God says, bring the tenth, the faith part says, God, I acknowledge that you can do more with this 90% that I have left than I ever could do with a hundred. But we don't believe that. So the idea of even taking 10%, listen to me, off the top of what I earn. And here it is. That's how we think, giving it away. It's too hard for anybody to fathom because for them it is a matter of fear. It, it is a matter of subtraction. When God says it is a matter of multiplication. But we never get to the point where we say, if I trust God with this tenth, no matter how large or small it is, God's promise is that he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing in exchange for the little you gave, a blessing that you can't contain. What God was trying to do was getting them to overcome their greed, but also their fear that I've got to hold on to a hundred. Because if I take this ten out, then, then oh man, how am I going? And God says, mm. let me tell you a third thing. Let me tell you a third thing about a generous disposition. It's about love over the law. It's about faith over fear. And it is about obedience over obligation. That's how most of us give. Oh, I'm obligated to give. And it's such a burden. And it's such a, it's such a, ah. And the truth is, understanding can wait, obedience can't. Most of us think, okay, I got to understand how all of this works before I obey. And in the God's economy, he always starts with an illogical instruction. And it is an illogical instruction to think that a God who I cannot see, when I give, so here it is, so that there would be meat in his storehouse. Let me tell you what that means. We're reading through the book of Numbers. Y'all stay with me. In the book of Numbers is where Numbers 18, I believe, go back and read it, is where God instituted the tithe as law. And here's why he instituted the tithe as law. Because he had set aside the Levites, the tribe of Levi, to be his priests. Now, because he chose them, excuse me, to be his priests, this is what he said, in exchange for serving God exclusively. 
He said, you Levites, all you're going to do night and day is serve in my tabernacle, but you will not have a portion, you will not have an inheritance, and you will not have possessions in Israel. Listen to me. When the 11 other tribes went into Canaan and inherited land and inherited a portion, every single family, the Levites were excluded because their lives were dedicated to serving God in the temple. And God said, this is what's going to happen. The nation of Israel is going to bring the tithe, and they're going to bring the tithe to sustain the tribe of Levi while they serve me. So when Malachi 3 says there needs to be meat in the storehouse, the meat was first of all there to sustain the Levites, listen to me, who had absolutely no portion in Israel. You know what that means? The Levites had to live knowing that they would have no land to pass on to their children. The Levites had to live thinking, whoo, I'm going to serve God all my life and have nothing to show? And it was not only to sustain the Levites. The meat in God's house was to provide for the widow and for the orphan. Because God's intention was for people never to have to go to the Red Cross or never to have to go to Hope's Door, but they could come to God's house and their needs would be met because God's people had brought of their increase to God's house. The first hospitals were built by churches. The first universities were built by churches. Where they get the money from? God's people. Because God says, if you make what is important to me important to you, I will make what's important to you important to me. And guess what? You can't outgive me. You cannot outgive me. And God was just saying, Doc, I know you're asking for the world, but you can't even trust me with this stinky 10%. When we partner with Hope's Door and they call us and say, guys, thank you so much because we got more than what we need. And what's left over, we're going to use, uh, keep in reserve. If we get any other families that come who need school supplies, we'll have something in store to give to them. If there are people who come who need uniforms, because some of the school kids are in charter schools, some of them even in private schools, we'll have something. Where do you think that money came from? Where did it come from? And every now and then, Every now and then, every now and then, I just go look and see how we're doing on giving, probably once a year. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind. How many people have not even given a penny who have been coming for years? Not one penny. And this is not to be critical. I'm just saying that if we all did our part, we wouldn't be renting a worship center right now. Listen to me. If everybody did their part, instead of all of us relying on the 20% to do 80% of the lifting, we wouldn't even be here. And God is saying, if I could simply get my people to trust me enough with 10. And here's what I know. If God can get it through you, 
he'll get it to you. Most of us stuck where we are. Listen to me. Listen to me. (laughs) Part of what God wants to get us to do is learn how to make room for more. God can't even pour out the blessing because there's no room. Because you've never, like, like opened your hand. Yet we live with a clenched fist. And God says, there's more I want to get to you. But your fist is clenched. And as much as I'm trying to get more to you, if you would just do this right here. All right? You understand the why. So that the church can do the work of the church. Not for the pastor to walk around with a pinky ring or to drive a bigger car. So that we can impact people around the world as small of a church as we are. Building playgrounds in Thailand for children affected by sex trafficking. Your giving makes it possible. But some people just show up. You know, I heard this quote, uh, the fastest way to, to starve a horse is to assign two people to feed it. You know why? Because somebody's going to think it's somebody else's job. And so people just show up to church and imagine, oh, it's just going to be there because so-and-so going to take care of it. And people come. I mean, for, I just looked and just said, wow, not one penny. It blew my mind. It just blew my mind. Because listen to me, God is so much bigger than just the amount. He wants a generous disposition. And let me tell you what generosity is. Generosity is not about the amount you give. It is about the amount that is left over after you've given. Y'all missed that. It's why the woman with two pennies comes into the temple with two pennies. Jesus is watching to see, not, go read the text, not how much men gave, but how they gave. And here comes this little lady. And so, 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 so the, the, the rich guys came with the big bags of money and dropped it in the offering, the treasury, so that everybody could see. Here comes this little old widow, two pennies. And the scripture says it was all she had. Jesus said this widow with her two mites gave more than all these men. Because when we give and we cultivate a spirit of generosity, it is first of all love and not law. It is not legalistic. It is about faith over fear that, God, you can do more with this 10% than I ever could do with 100. It is about obedience. It is about obedience more than an obligation. Because when we look at the life of not just Abraham, who was the first to tithe, we see his grandson Jacob in Genesis 28, who was the second to tithe. And this was before the law. For those of us who think it's a law, but even if it were the law, the reason it was instituted was so that the Levites who had no portion in Israel would have something, listen to me, to live on while they served God. Am I like that? I'm not somebody who's afraid of work. Until COVID-19, I was bivocational for two and a half years. And the only reason I'm not bivocational now is because I was laid off from my job in IT and haven't found another opportunity. I ain't afraid to work. 
In fact, before God gave Adam a wife, he gave him a life. Before God gave him Eve, God told him two things. Adam, you guard this garden and you tend it. Meaning take care of this garden and protect it. God had already warned Adam before Eve showed up and before the serpent showed up that there was an adversary in those two instructions. Till the land, cultivate the land, but also protect it. God wouldn't have told him to protect it if there wasn't an adversary looming outside the garden. We need to read our Bible more. I'm going to finish this message in Jesus' name. So what's God about? Moving us from greed to generosity. It's, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. And God wants us to have the, listen to me, the right relationship with our money. Most of us have the wrong relationship with our money. We make money our master when money should be servant. Money is supposed to do through our hands what God instructs us to do. But here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. God says, honor me with a tithe. Mm, no, I ain't going to do that. But we ain't got a problem answering Visa, MasterCard, mortgage company. When they send you that bill and tell you that bill is $1,500, $2,000, you don't even think twice about what Visa is demanding and what MasterCard is demanding. You stroke that check. You know why? Because your money is your master, not your servant. And God is saying, <laughs> you have a wrong relationship with your money. Here it is. These are the words of Jesus. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Are y'all with me? So here's how we work through this thing. Number one, <laughs> we got to settle the ownership issue. Let me say that one more time for good measure. We have to settle the ownership issue. God owns it all. Psalm 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the earth and everything therein. It's all his. What's in your hand, what's in your wallet, and what's in your bank account is there for you to steward. It's there for you to manage. It's not there for you to use as you please. It's there for you to manage because God owns it all. Psalm 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Settle the ownership issue once and for all. So my responsibility is to steward what God has entrusted to me. What God owns, he has entrusted to man to manage. So here it is as I close. Here's the order. Here's the progression. Number one, I got to secure the bag. That means I got to earn it. Not steal, earn Through the work of my hands, 
and the sweat of my brow. For those of you who have been here long enough, in the entire history of our church, I've only done one message about giving. About time to do another one. So God's people can understand. So what I'm going to give you tonight is just the cliff notes. Number one is you and I have to secure the bag. That means you earn it. Here it is. And this is why it's so important to recognize that everything belongs to God. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. It says, and you shall remember who the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Where did it come from? Your creativity, your imagination, even the life in your body to get up and go to work. Even the soundness of your mind that you ain't lost your mind yet. Where did it come from? The power to get it, the power to earn it, the power to secure the bag, it came from God. The power to get wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Why did God give us the power to get wealth? So that he can work through us to establish his covenant. Wasn't primarily about your 401k. Wasn't primarily about your cul-de-sac. Wasn't primarily about so that his covenant can be established in the earth. He gives me the power to get it so that if he can get it again through me, he gets it to me. So I go out and earn it to establish his covenant in the earth. So I secure the bag. I work for it. We'll talk about this when I do the series. Here's the counterintuitive instruction. He said, after you secure it, don't go out and spend it. Well, Pastor, this is my money. Are you sure? Are you really sure about that? Because without the power to get it, where would you and I be? I'm talking about reorienting our hearts away from our selfishness, where it's all about greed. I owe me. And God is saying, live a life of generosity with an open hand, not a clenched fist. Earn it, don't steal it. Toilet paper you be bringing home from work? Oh, my bad. Let me, let me, let me leave that alone. Stay focused, Pastor. Mm. That expense report, though. That expense report, that ain't all the way accurate. I'm talking about let him who stole steal no more. It ain't about breaking and entering. It about, it's about the dishonest decisions when we take things that don't belong to us without permission and with no intention of returning it. Mm. Somebody say, it's not about the tithe. That's not what I'm talking about. Let's get past that. It's, it's a part of what God wants us to do. I got to say this. Tithing was never an issue for me. In fact, the first thing that comes out of our paycheck, I don't, first thing, first thing, first thing. And the reason tithing was not an issue for me is because I grew up in an African home where at mealtime, when you sit that food on the table, the food goes first to dad. The first and the best of the meal is reserved for the father. Ain't nobody touching nothing on that table until the father of the house 
takes what he wants. And listen to me, it is the first and the best that is reserved for the Father. Why? It shows his place. A place of honor reserved for him. He doesn't get the leftovers after the mortgage, after visa, after the credit cards, and then, man, all I got is $5. Here you go, God. Flip him a nickel. It shows God his place in your life because our priorities are always revealed with our calendar and our checkbook. The most important things will be revealed in what you give your time to and what you give your treasure to. Okay? So after you've secured it, so, this is what the scripture says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. <laughs> Yeesh. I ain't got time to deal with this. But what you sow determines your, your return. You can't sow two apple seeds and expect an acre of apples. Your harvest is proportional to what you sow. Okay? Uh, if you're mad right now, take it up with Paul and Jesus. Because I didn't write none of this. It says, he who sows sparingly will also what? Reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And that's the problem with covetousness. You just see the man with a big vineyard and you want what he has, but you're not willing to do what he did. And so but why I got this tiny little vineyard? And why he got that big vineyard? Maybe it's because he sold bountifully. Maybe it's because he sold bountifully. And then it goes on and says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. So here at Converse Church, we ain't never going to twist nobody's arm to give a penny. So that what you give, so that whatever you choose to give, is given not out of compulsion or grudgingly or out of necessity, but it's coming out of a heart of love. So look at what you give and ask yourself, is this my first and is this my best? And if it is, God bless you. If it's your first and your best, and if you believe that God is that, if that's what you think God deserves, God bless you. But you will never hear me or Pastor Wendy or any leader at Converge Church twist your arm with any gimmicks or any condemnation to give something to God grudgingly. It's between you and God. God will make provision for Converge Church as he has miraculously. Don't do it. He says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful. The word in the Greek translated is hilarious. And notice what verse 8 says. Again, you can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. And God says, if you'll simply be cheerful as you give. Notice what he says. 
and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have what? An abundance for every good work. Somebody say he ain't talking about money. Well, he is talking about money, but not just money. He says you will make all grace, whatever you need for whatever life demands. He will make it available. He is speaking in superlatives. He will do it always. You will have all sufficiency in all things, and you will have an abundance for every good work. That means when God says, I need you to do this, you're standing in the checkout line, and there's a lady in front of you, and her little child, Pastor Wendy, can tell you story after story where the child is about to put that toy back or put that uh, magazine back, or, or not magazine, but, but activity book back, and Pastor Wendy said, no, he can have it because God gives you an abundance for every good work. All right. I'm about to let y'all go. Secure it. Sow it. That's the faith part. That this thing is going to boomerang back to me. Because whatever I sow may leave my hand, but it will never leave my life. Never leave my life. Somebody say boomerang. Uh-huh. It's coming back to you. It's coming back to you. Save it. Number three, save it. Secure it. Sow it. Save it. You got to save some of it. You got to save some of it. Because you are good stewards. You manage well what God owns. Here it is. Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. The, 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 the ant has foresight. In the good times, I'm going to store up for the bad times. And it's not if, it's when. Because remember the parable of, 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 of uh, the wise and the foolish builder? The storm came to both houses. But the house of the wise builder survived. Save. Save. For the lean years. God gave Joseph wisdom. That in seven years of plenty, they would save enough for seven years that were lean. And they had enough. And God gave them so much wisdom that he said, save 20% of everything you harvest. Because it will sustain you in the seven years when there's famine. Isn't that in the Bible? Secure it. Sow it. Save it. Oh, here's the good part. Here's the part we like. Here's the part we like. Because here's the part where you get to buy your Gucci or your Louis. Number four, spend it. It's okay. Somebody say, work hard. Play hard. Yeah, spend, spend it. You can spend it. You can spend some of it. Psalm 128 and verse 2 says, When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Listen. God wants you to be able to eat the labor of your hands and be happy while you've eaten it. This thing ain't just about work, 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 just to pay bills. He wants you to be able to eat and enjoy the labor of your hands so you can spend it. 
and enjoy it. Notice Ecclesiastes. Notice Ecclesiastes 2 and 24. It says, nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul, listen, should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. It's from the hand of God to enjoy the rewards of your labor so you can spend it. Spend it on yourself. Pamper yourself. Spoil yourself. And here's the last one. Here's the last one. As a good steward, you don't only secure it, you don't only sow it, you don't only save it, you don't only spend it, but you share it. You share it. Allow what all the good that God has done for you, not just to end with you. You were created not to be a dead end, but a freeway. Not a toll road. Yeah. Some friends are expensive. And there are some people that it's expensive to be around. But what you have freely received, God said freely give. So here it is. Notice the word command. Not suggest, not recommend. It says command those who are rich in this present age. And if you live on more than a dollar a day, you're richer than most of the world. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, proud, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Woo! We're going to talk about all of that when we do this series on generosity. But trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Is there more? Yeah. Let them, listen, listen, this is what sharing looks like. Let them do what? Do good. That they may be rich in what? Ready to do what? And willing to share. That's the culture we're going to create here at Converge. Is there more after the will? Oh, yeah. Willing to share. And as you do that, you're storing up for them yourself a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. What, what is he saying? Our generosity in this life precedes us into eternity. And that's what it looks like when we, when we think of the Eighth Commandment. God is trying to move his people from an, added, from an attitude of greed to generosity. And if we're going to live with a generous disposition, it's about putting God first. That he gets what is first and what is best. Because it's about love and not the law. It's about faith and not fear. It's about obedience and not obligation. And it's about generosity, not greed. So, Father, tonight, we come just as we are. And, Lord, we lay all those moments when we have thought only about ourselves and we've thought nothing about the people we defrauded in our business dealings, in our taxes, in how we've managed our money, in the employees and the workers and 1099s that we have dealt with dishonestly. God, your word declares, let him who stole steal no more. Father, move us from greed to generosity. And just as you taught us 
about your generosity in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his very best, his son Jesus, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that tonight we take on the same grace that the Father had when he gave Jesus and demonstrated his love. We trust you to do that now. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Did that help anybody tonight? Listen, I kept y'all longer than I intended, but it was well worth it. Why don't you stand with us as we are dismissed? Listen, if you need prayer and you need to uh, maybe begin a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ, we want to serve you in that capacity. Send us an email to info at weareconverged.com and someone from our team will contact you promptly. We also have a gift for you that we want to share with you. It's our way of being generous, but also giving you the tools to jumpstart your relationship with Jesus. Again, send us an email to info at weareconverged.com and someone from our team will get that to you. Now put your hands up. Let me bless you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. We'll see you next week. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear. Or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.